All right, New Life, round two here uh, as we talk about this theme of politics. And and right now, what I want to lead us through is this picture or this question of, you know, what are the challenges, the trade-offs, and the one constant that we face as we move to the polls here in November and really beyond. Uh, and the first challenge that I think we face is that of a two-party system. Uh, David Platt in his book that I mentioned in the first video says, in the history of democracy, every political party has possessed both strengths and weaknesses. As a product of human invention, uh, political parties inevitably have idolatrous trajectories and trends towards positions that don't honor and reflect God's character. No human political party has a monopoly on justice. And and if you've been with us as we've talked through the Christian story, you recognize that this is the impact of Genesis chapter 3, that the curse impacts us as, uh, as, as far as every blade of grass and, in this case, every political system. Scott Sauls makes a similar comment. He says, no party has a corner on truth and justice. Both have blood on their hands. Charlie Drew, who was with us in January, says this in his book, Surprised by Community, that that because of this, we should be able to have a lover's quarrel with our party or our candidate. And he goes on to say, every Christian should feel a bit homeless in our party or with our candidate. And so uh, I think a healthy place to be uh, as a follower of Christ, as it pertains to um, the party or candidate that we might vote for or we associate with is that we're able to acknowledge both the beauty and the brokenness of our way of thinking and the opposite political ideology, because there are elements of both. And I would also argue that if we don't, it's likely because we've conflated things like our Christianity and our humanity with politics. It's become an ultimate in our lives or an idol. Uh, it's fascinating. At New Life, uh, a number of years ago, uh, I had a phone call where uh, somebody called me and they said, Anthony, I think there are Democrats in our church. And I think they're members of the church. I think some may even be in leadership. And I said, you know what? I think you're right. And I think I'm really glad they're here because they love Jesus and they're helping me think through some of these different issues. Ten days later, somebody sat on my couch and they said, Anthony, I just cannot believe that there are people at New Life, who are members and who are even leaders, who think it's okay to vote for Donald Trump. And I said, you know what? I think they are here. And I think I'm really glad because they're helping me think through how do we walk this road together. Friends, no candidate, no party is perfect. None are Jesus, um, and, and they can't save us. And so we're left with challenging options. Uh, let me say this. And I want you to hear me say this clearly as a position from our church, uh, at least on the session, we wrestled this through back before the last election. We believe that God is the only ruler who has a corner on truth and justice, and that every politician and political party is tainted by sin, is imperfect, and it's impossible for them to be our savior. We feel it's important to be involved in the process uh, we have in selecting the leaders of our country as little kings and queens, as we talked about uh, all the way back in January. But in light of that, here's what I want you to hear me say. We believe at New Life, at least at the leadership level. Uh, we believe you can be a Democrat or a Republican and be a Christian. We believe that you can vote for Joe Biden or Donald Trump and be a Christian who is actually seeking to follow after Jesus. Here's a second challenge that we face, is that we dichotomize the image of God. Now, the image of God is something introduced in Genesis 1, where we're created in God's image, that we have certain intrinsic value 
uh, and protection because of that. And um, really a lot of times politics and who we vote for boils down to justice issues and what we do with God's image. Uh, so you got Genesis 1, we're made in his image. We have Genesis 9, God comes in and, and says to know, hey, I'm going to protect my image. If anyone murders another image bearer of mine, then um, their life will be expected from them. And, and that thread can be pulled all the way through Romans chapter 13, where Paul says, hey, God has put in place the government and given them the sword to preserve and protect life. Here's the craziness of this two-party system is that it is falsely pulled apart or dichotomized the image bearer of God has pulled apart our understanding of how God created his image bearer to exist and how God protects it. Let me just give you some categories that the Bible is pretty clear about. God demands protection on the unborn, but also on the orphan, also on the unborn's mother. God created uh, human sexuality to exist in the context of marriage between one man and one woman. God demands fair treatment of the poor and the sojourner or the immigrant. God demands uh, the undoing of the oppression of other people. And in our context, that would include black men, women, and children, and other people of color. God demands that we be subject to the governing authorities and protects those who protects us, right? The lives of those who protect us are meaningful and are to be protected. God demands godly character in those who rule. If you doubt that, look at how God interacted with David. Look at how God interacted with Nebuchadnezzar. So the first thing that happens in this challenge of the dichotomizing of the image bearer of God is that we forget that the bar of faithfulness as it pertains to our care for the image bearer of God is actually far higher for the Christian than it is for the liberal or for the conservative. It, it, the category or the bar is, is much higher uh, as we read it in Scripture. The second thing we do is we get lost in this category of, of political strategies, confusing them for moral principles. If you remember, again, back in January, Charlie Drew gave us this great category of, of say, something that we should agree on as Christians that the Bible teaches, like uh, protecting and preventing oppression of the poor. That is a moral principle that all Christians should be able to agree with. Uh, where we differ is the political strategies, right? Uh, the ways we try to execute that. So left-leaning people may say, this is the best way to do this. And right-leaning people may say, this is the best way to do this. But, but those are opinion level issues and not to be held to the same standard as moral principles. We confuse that all the time. And so here's the next thing I want you to hear me say as the pastor of New Life Dresher, uh, as it pertains to the image bearer of God. I want you to hear me say that we believe in the inherent value and protection of every image bearer of God from womb to tomb. That's the life that we believe is to be protected. Everyone from womb to tomb. Do we do it perfectly? Do we preach about it perfectly? Is it, is it proportionate? Should we be doing more in certain areas? Absolutely. But at least theologically, that's what we would adhere to as it pertains to Scripture. Here's the next thing I want you to know as you face those challenges and many others as you head to the polls or you talk to your neighbors about this is that you, no matter who you vote for, are making trade-offs. We're making choices between sinful candidates and imperfect parties. Every candidate and every party has some element of common grace and sinfulness. Lord willing, we're going to choose a candidate based on which one uh, we believe is better on certain issues over the other. Now, I would love to presume 
that we're making these decisions that are uh, based on being biblically grounded. Uh, and in fact, I think as Christians, we should endeavor more and more to do that. But I'm also not naive to think that sometimes we're doing it just because it's convenient or we're just too tired or busy or strung out to figure it out uh, or uh, to vote against it would actually undo our comfort uh, and challenge us too much. But, but the bottom line is, is that's typically why we choose a candidate is because of these justice issues. And, and, and friends, <laughs> what we're facing when we walk into that booth or mail in our ballot, however we may do it, is we're actually looking oftentimes at these ethical dilemmas or these competing injustices. And let me just say, God knows that, okay? Your salvation is not resting on this. I, I think we need to take it very seriously. Uh, why we're voting the way we are, have we wrestled these issues through in our own heart? Uh, but at the end of the day, we're choosing between two very imperfect options. Here's the last thing I don't want you to forget as you head to the polls is the constant, the constant. There's a constant all in all of this, and it's God. God will still be on the throne on November 4th. When you wake up, whether or not the election is over or we're going to be embroiled in some sort of crazy for the next however many months, God is still on the throne. God has never fit into a two-party box. Do you know that? You know, God in a lot of cultures was way more liberal. In the ancient Near Eastern culture, he would have been a raging liberal with rights for women and slaves and immigrants and poor and widow in the Old Testament. And then Jesus in the New Testament with his engagement with the untouchables, uh, with engaging with the sexually broken, like the woman at the well, or, or breaking every conservative Jewish law by touching the dead or the unclean, like the bleeding woman and Jairus's daughter in Mark chapter five. He's also way more conservative oftentimes in the culture around us. In the Old Testament, he takes the normal practice of offering children uh, to gods and makes it a crime. Jesus takes things like sexuality and adultery and moves it from something we just simply do with our body to something we do in our heart, saying, if you even look at a person to lust, you have committed sin against God. That is a far higher bar. He takes murder and he tightens the lens down to, if you get mad at your brother or sister, you have committed murder in your heart way more conservative than what was going on in that day. And so, friends, God is too liberal to be conservative, and he's too conservative to be liberal. And so remember, as you head to the poll, we're facing many challenges. You're going to have to make trade-offs. And no matter what happens, God is still on the throne. Friends, may he give us the grace to believe that and trust in that as we uh, engage in this season, as we look to love God, honor him, and love one another. Thanks for watching.